Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Mixed Feelings. I'm your host, Natalie Roach, and this is a podcast about my mixed feelings, take, thoughts, musings on various current events and topics related to the human experience. So welcome. I am delighted that you are here. Welcome back to those of you who are returning and welcome to those of you that are new. I'm happy that all of you are here. And as per usual, we are going to start off with what is going on in the world? What has been going on in the world? So the first thing that's gone on is that Facebook and Snapchat have been, you know, held accountable in the court of public opinion, Um, not just the court of public opinion. I think uh, Mark Zuckerberg might actually be a court of law. I'm not positive. But basically, the completely uninformed and non-researched version of the story is that Facebook basically had a third party company that was collecting data and then, quote unquote, lost track of how that data was being used. And it turns out that Mr. Zed um, was unknowingly providing information that was used to target political campaigns to certain people to drama voters. So basically, people who are posting their information on Facebook were having targeted uh, political campaigns lobbed at them, so to speak. So, I mean, I think that I should have had a stronger reaction to that than I did. Kevin was telling me tonight that there's far more serious, far-reaching things associated with it. And I am excited to learn more from my boyfriend who has read more extensively on the subject. But basically, Facebook's stocks plummeted. Like, they have lost a significant amount Um, So their shareholders are indicating to them, not cool, MZ. And also Snapchat, I think they lost $800 million after this ridiculous ad campaign. And this is an official Snapchat ad, and it featured a poll. And I'm guessing they were trying to advertise some kind of new feature or like a polling feature that was previously not available. And get this. The poll had a picture of Chris Brown and a picture of Rihanna, and it said, would you rather slap Rihanna or punch Chris Brown? Like, I'm going to let that one sink in. Not only is that horribly offensive and derogatory and completely dismissive of relational violence, um, you know, intimate partner violence, as it's called, and the trauma that Rihanna went through in that relationship, even just purely for a social media company that's supposed to be cutting edge, like, you that one made it through? Like, that one, you went to the board table and a bunch of people who view themselves as being on the cutting edge and socially progressive said, yeah, that sounds about right? I mean, it kind of indicates... Do you have a bunch of dinosaurs working there? And by dinosaurs, I mean chauvinistic, unfeeling cyborgs, basically. So anyways, Snapchat, Facebook, there has been a reckoning and you deserved it. Moving right along to updates on former Sex and the City characters, Cynthia Nixon, who played Miranda a solid voice of reason among the group of four women. Cynthia Nixon 
is going to be running for governor of New York. I don't know why, but I was tickled pink by this. It just seems like such a, it seems, it doesn't seem like it's Cynthia Nixon running. It seems like Miranda is going to win. And I, I'm hoping that she somehow weeds that into her campaign. I mean, she probably won't because she has enough people telling her that she's naive and all this kind of mumbo jumbo. But I mean, Miranda for governor, I'm here for it. Steve can show up with the baby. It'll be great. Samantha, Carrie, and Charlotte will, you know, be at you at the various campaign events. It's 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 fantastic. I'm I'm so excited um, about that. I'm really hoping she wins. Literally, I know nothing about her political views, leanings, or qualifications or credentials, but I want her to win. And that is just the age and culture of celebrity that we live in, everyone. You don't need much. And speaking of me not needing much to basically worship a celebrity that I don't know and never will, Jay-Z and Beyonce have announced their tour. They are going to be launching On The Run 2. They will not be stopping in Toronto. Um, When I found out that little piece of information, I basically had to take the afternoon off work. That is not true, but I was not happy. I'm going to try to maybe see it somewhere. I'm not sure. I've like, I know they're playing it in California next September. I've got family down there. Maybe I can convince Kev to go to Beyonce number two because we clearly went to New Orleans to see the sights. And by see the sights, I mean the entire purpose of the trip was me buying tickets for Beyonce's lemonade tour that cost me over $700. And it is the best $700 I've ever spent in my life. And I'm including my education in that. Moving along to me, again, one of my favorite topics of conversation, and actually research shows that themselves is going to basically with any human being be a safe bet. And for me, what's number one here? Oh, okay. I went to see A Wrinkle in Time. I didn't love it. I wanted to love it. Anika and I went. She didn't like it like slightly more than I didn't like it but it's a kids movie and I think that I really wanted to like it because I follow Ava DuVernay on Twitter and I've seen so much about it and I was just really pumped I mean I really like Reese Witherspoon I really like Mindy Kaling I really like uh I mean really like is just not adequate I love Oprah I love her love but it just didn't do it for me. You know, there were some gaps. There's not a lot of dialogue. And there was this kid talking behind me in the movie, right? Like, I don't know, might have put, I'd put him in like five. And we went to see it after work last Friday. And I found myself being like, this is so distracting. Like, I really wish this kid would be quiet. And then I realized, hey, honey, you're the one sitting on a swing set at like one o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday on a sunny day. Like, you're in their territory. You know, it's not like this this kid showed up to a friggin' screening of the Phantom Thread on Saturday night at 9 p.m. Like, you know, in which case it might be, you know, getting some side-eye from the audience, and that would be justified side-eye. Also, they're going to find it fantastically boring. So, anyways, not a huge fan. I mean, granted, I think that if you were four, if I was four or five, I probably would have loved it. You know, the kid behind me seemed to be pretty engaged. So, anyways, my, you know... My biggest kudos and praise will always go to Ava DuVernay. I think she's a prolific and fantastic director. Would not run out to see A Wrinkle in Time. And I was also lucky enough last weekend, we had dinner with a couple friends of mine, Jenny and Dan. Shout out Jenny and Dan, if you're listening. 
But Jenny let me know. She asked me how I do this podcast. She says, do you like script it out? Like, do you really, really write it out? Or do you just kind of like, are you completely off the cuff? Or what do you do? And I said, what I'll do is I'll write down a topic or something that I know that I want to talk about. And I'll just kind of ad lib. And apparently it's called beat prov. So what I do, it's not improv. It's not completely off the cuff. It's beat prov. Like I write down little things, I guess beats and then improv off them. So thank you, Jenny. I feel like such a pro. Beat prov. Uh, Last thing I'm going to say in terms of what's going on with me. Despite the fact that I view myself as being a very feminist leaning progressive person who does not need the validation of a man cisgendered presenting himself in a offensive way. Um, I don't feel as if I need validation in that way, shape or form. The other day I was walking down the street and a man giving out Reese peanut butter cups, of which I did not take one, he offered and I said, no, thank you. They were in a box. He appeared to be some kind of sample person that you often get at Young and Dundas. Although oddly, he wasn't wearing any rep clothing. Like it's not like he was wearing a Reese t-shirt or anything like that. He was just wearing street clothes with a cardboard box full of Reese peanut butter cups. So I actually don't know if he was an official sanctioned Reese peanut butter representative. But anyways, this person said to me, hey, JLo, ooh, you look so much better in person. Can I get an autograph? And I would love to say that that didn't feel good, but God damn it. It felt amazing. All right. It felt good. And in a way that actually kind of, oops, excuse me, everyone, I have to adjust because my rear end here fallen asleep no hold on you're gonna hear a lot of noise that i can't edit out you're just gonna have to deal with this everyone oh okay that's so much better that probably sounded like i was doing something a lot a lot worse than just adjusting my backside but i promise you that's all it was But anyways, the topic of feeling, the reason why I didn't want to say that it felt good to get called J-Lo is because I was scared that people who listen to this podcast would view me as not feminist enough, that I'm not feminist enough, that I'm not um, woke enough, that I'm not advanced enough, that I'm not progressive enough. And I was listening to a podcast the other day and they talked about on it, and I'd never heard this term before, but they talked about this idea of progressive hostility. And what it is, is the idea that certain people have come to label as the swift and significant and at times quite hostile uh feedback or reaction that you will get from people who are identifying as progressive that is differential from the reaction that you would get from someone who identifies as conservative. I read a little bit about this. I mean, it's kind of hard to parse it out. And the article that I read on it from this, I think it's called Ouellette or Quillette or something like that. Quillette, Quillette, Gillette. It's definitely not Gillette. Uh, But if you want to sponsor me, I'd be happy to read an ad. Anyways, I will definitely be adding Gillette in this tweet. And please don't judge me for that because I'm desperate. I'm not desperate. I'm paid very well. I was a joke. I'm 
loving doing this podcast in my closet. It's fantastic. But anyways, it did get me thinking, while this article I found was kind of, I don't know, a little too uh, myopic, I thought, in its view, or narrow-minded in its view, it did kind of make me reflect on the fact that I have definitely found myself recently, and even in this podcast, shying away from maybe saying certain things that I'm not as familiar with on the... you know, that might be labeled as progressive views, or um, maybe I'm not advanced enough, because I am scared that people are really going to call me out or really react strongly or call me, you know, say like, you know, you're a a gun owning against gay marriage bigot or something like that, you know, simply because I maybe didn't understand something deep enough or whatever. And, And I'm not saying that ignorance is an excuse. What I'm saying is I've definitely noticed that fear within myself of, not sharing something and not wanting to share something because I'm scared that my more, maybe more advanced and more knowledgeable and more um, researched and educated friends will, to be frank, shame me. I'm scared of shaming. I'm scared of, you know, being, that other people would think I'm stupid or bigoted or closed-minded. That is definitely a fear that I have. And The one thing that I would say about this article is not necessarily that I agreed with all of it, but it did identify a fear that I have. And I started, I've had a lot of conversations about why do I have this fear? Like, what is it about it? And something really interesting, and shout out to you, Alana. Alana is um, a woman in our book club, and I was talking about this with her and Brie, and something that she said really, really resonated with me, and that was this idea that the conservatives tend to have a more homogeneous view. Like what is viewed as conservative is pretty easy to identify. Like we are for this and we aren't for this. So you're either in or out. So if you're out, we can just like interact with you as a pleasant outside other who's not in our in crowd. And we can just have a friendly conversation with you. Not that I'm saying all conversations between conservatives and progressives are friendly because they most certainly are not. But the problem with the those who identify as progressive is that it's far more heterogeneous. It's it's like it's on what is viewed as progressive is on a gradient or on a scale. So it's really that you can't, it's not as homogeneous basically. So there might be people who view themselves as progressive because they support things such as gay marriage or they support um, the ability to use and choose your own gender pronouns. But there also might be people who are further along the progressive gradient who would say, actually, even viewing, even supporting gay marriage means that in the first place, you view it as an institution that is exclusive so you are now allowed in and that in and of itself is indicative indicative of oppression so it seems like there's more areas to kind of mess up so to speak and sometimes I think that what happens too is that there can be more posturing on that type of gradient so I have, I, and I'm guilty of this myself, where I have said something to sound good because I'm kind of trying to dog whistle to people who identify as, as sorry, progressive in a room to say, see, see how woke I am, see how much I know, um, you know, you can trust me, so to speak. And dog whistling meaning like it's a 
that basically a term that means that you're using terminology that's only that's going to land really well with people who you wanted to and other people is just going to completely pass them by so for instance when people like when when trump was saying make america great again that's like dog whistling basically to to be frank conservative white people basically saying like who is america great for like there's only one group of people who if you go back in time america was great for and it's not racialized minoritized groups it's white people with privilege so trump was basically dog whistling to white people with privilege when he said um make america great again so i've definitely been in the case where i'm dog whistling to progressive people or i'll use certain terms or drop certain names because i'm trying to dog whistle and get buy-in and i there's a fear and anxiety associated with that and i think that for me the antidote to that is to just really trust my motives in sharing something and try to have the best motives in sharing something and and admit when there's something that I don't know and not be ridiculously apologetic about it as if I'm supposed to know absolutely everything because I don't like and I'm taking a leadership course right now that's like helping me learn how to receive feedback better and not get defensive when I receive feedback because that's definitely something I have a hard time with. I get very emotional when I get feedback. I, I, you know, automatically think the person is criticizing me as a human being. And granted, on Twitter, sometimes people are getting are criticizing you as a human being, like, you know, saying you're a moron or things like that. That's never happened to me. But I'm also very careful about what I share on Twitter. And I also have only 20 followers. So, I mean, hey, pretty safe, right? Something else I want to also say, and this is a shout out to uh, Emily. Emily, uh, well, I guess I won't share her last name, but this is a shout out to Emily, who a colleague of mine at work. And she was saying, and I thought this was so such an interesting point. She goes that she says, you know, I've definitely had an experience where I think that people are only having these progressive type conversations at dinner parties like they're not living this you know they're talking about oh yes i absolutely support support rather more diversity in terms of writing and directing in hollywood but the only time they're talking about it is at a dinner party after the oscars and then they go off into their regular lives and aren't taking maybe action to follow and actively seek out entertainment and artwork from racialized or minoritized groups so that was a really interesting point this idea of you know dinner party progressivism and also i heard this on the still processing podcast where i get most of my information and quite frankly opinions and they talked about this idea that they something that they've observed in recent culture which is performative wokeness that you are acting woke in a way that is a performance so that other people will receive you positively and I just I don't want to do that I don't want to be performing my views for anyone or dog whistling I would just like to feel more confident and comfortable in my own skin and in my views and in my lack of knowledge and also when I do need to get called out or called in on something as as the term is now just being comfortable and okay with that. So I would really love to hear your opinions on that. It's It's been such an interesting topic to talk about with people. Um, I would really, really love it. Just get at me. Let me know if you ever felt that way. Do you ever feel like you're doing performative wokeness? Do you ever feel like you're kind of dog whistling to progressives? Are you, you know, kind of sick of needing to walk around eggshells? Do you feel like you need to walk around eggshells? Is that an experience for you? I would love to hear about it. Um, 
And speaking of uh, loving to hear from you, and also if you would uh, like to submit a question, please do at allmymixedfeelings at gmail.com. Just how it, the proper spelling, everything, no spaces. When people say no spaces, like, well, yeah, you can't put a space in an email address because it will be invalid. I mean, am I right? Anyways, allmymixedfeelings at gmail.com. Get at me with a listener question. And this week we actually have some feedback. So let me see here. We had Jenny write in, next shout out to Jenny, and she said um, that she wanted to say that she feels like an imposter every time she steps on stage to do improv, or if she gets booked on a show, she's in my head, I'm like, was it an accident and now they feel bad and have to keep me on? I just, I love that. Like, I'm not the only one who experiences imposter syndrome it happens to the best of us that was a topic for last week if you'd like to learn more please download episode 15 this is episode sweet 16 i can't believe it here we go maybe i should throw a fancy party and come down a staircase in a white dress and throw it up on a video feed that's not gonna happen everyone i don't have a white dress and i don't have a staircase so moving along to you know what? i actually didn't have an actual listener question this week in the inbox so please hit me up i love listener questions but I was thinking, I recently was had to stay home sick from a really fun, exciting weekend in Collingwood. It was going to be a ski weekend, as I told you. But I was thinking, what's my favorite way to spend a weekend alone? And this is going to be a very unexciting insight into Natalie. My favorite way to spend a weekend alone is to clean the apartment and have everything exactly as I would like it to lay out my breakfast the night before on a big spread on the counter, including putting my spoon out and wrapping my cereal bowl with saran wrap and putting it in the fridge so that it's nice and fresh and crisp. Um, I will also lay out my vitamins. And I have the whole countertop because I'm not being selfish because it's not as if I know I know that Kevin's not there. So I can lay out my breakfast spread the night before. I can have the apartment exactly as I wanted, including the fringe at the correct level when I fold the blankets and put them over the chair. And I will usually just drink tea, light candles, and go to bed at 9 p.m. And then hopefully find something to binge watch on Netflix. But if not, I'm content to just read a People magazine and an Us Weekly. I have to buy both of them together. I don't know why. I need to buy both of them together. And that is quite literally my favorite way to spend a weekend alone. That and like a nice, brisk, sweaty walk either at the gym or outside. Like that's pretty ideal to me, which indicates to you why I'm not well-traveled or very well-cultured because that is how I like to spend my time alone. Like I friggin' love it. I mean, you throw in a trip to Costco in there, game over. Game over. It's practically a showcase showdown to me. So that is how I like to spend a weekend alone. And in terms of a funny anecdote, this isn't necessarily a funny anecdote, but I was listening to the song by DJ Khaled featuring Chance the Rapper, Migos, and Justin Bieber called I'm the One. And this guy's talking about my cake came up in reference to making money. And I just thought, you know what? You know what line I want to be able to use at some point in my life? And I can't imagine anyone getting me to this level of anger. And I'm going to warn you, I am going to swear. I'm going to swear. So if anyone is not wanting that, just skip to the end. But I, I got to swear. But I'm really hoping that at some point in my life, someone makes some kind of reference to my financial income or my financial status. And I can just turn to them and say, you know what, bitch? We're in a bakery and my cake just came up. Ding! I like, I can't, I can't tell you how much for some reason I want to be able to use that line in the appropriate context. 
but I'm sharing that with you. Thank you, DJ Khaled, for the inspiration. And that brings us to the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. But we're going to finish off as we always do with a recommendation. And my recommendation this week is repeating outfits. This is inspired by Tiffany Haddish, who wore the same dress to host Saturday Night Live as she wore to the Oscars, as she wore to another award ceremony. And her comments were, this dress is expensive and I'm planning to get the wear out of it. Friggin' right. It's like an Alexander McQueen dress. Probably cost her a pretty penny. And it's beautiful. And what's wrong with repeating outfits? That's a, that's a Seinfeld way to, what's wrong? What's wrong with repeating outfits? Sometimes I get so nervous. I'm like, oh, well, I wore this last time I facilitated a session for this group. Who cares? I mean, look at your favorite cartoon characters. They're always wearing the same outfits. Like, look at The Simpsons. Did they ever change their clothes? No. And when they did, it was jarring. I used to read the Berenstain Bears when I was little, and I always wanted to know that Sister Bear was wearing her little pink overalls and a white shirt with pink polka dots. That is what I wanted to know. Brother Bear is going to be wearing his red shirt and his blue pants, and Mama Bear is going to be wearing that ridiculous muumuu with the matching hat that's blue with the, the, the white polka dots, Papa Bear in the overalls and the, the yellow shirt underneath. There is comfort and familiarity in that. So you know what? Here's to repeating outfits. Here is to repeating outfits. Let's all just go for it and just stop this ridiculousness. And also, you know, save a few bucks. So that's it. Thank you so much for listening. I really, really appreciate it. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Natalie C. Roach. And my, again, email for this podcast is allmymixedfeelings at gmail.com. I would love, love, love to hear from you. Um, And that's it for now. Stay mixed up. Bye.